here we are, 12 rows back, building up to the 2023 Grand Final. Geez, that feels good to say. Uh, we're finally here, the final two teams, one and two on the ladder. Haven't seen that for a while, I don't think, as I welcome my co-host Seb to a Grand Final Week edition of 12 rows back. How are you travelling? Oh, it's an exciting time of year. It is. It's exciting. We've got we've got the two best teams in it, you would say. Um it just depends which side of the coin you fall on. We're Collingwood lucky. Were they better? Um, we're, we're like, there's so many different narratives and storylines here, and we can dive right into it all. And there's free agency galore happening. There's trade rumors. There's requests. Uh, Keller Mills is is in doubt for round one next year due due to an incident on Mad Monday. Um, it's just all happening, Tom. Bloody hell, that, I didn't even know that one. So, yeah, there, there's news everywhere. Uh, you'd think, you know, Granny would be the focus, but this industry ticks. It's all happening. Uh, well, where do you want to start? Should we we'll jump right in? You, you mentioned the pies off the top. Uh, I'm happy to take what you said there. I, th- I thought they were, I mean, they were fortunate to win, but they've they've sort of cut their teeth on winning those close ones. And, look, we potted them last year because they did lose a couple of close ones, but... Just were able to hold the Giants at bay. Like uh, I think it was the last nine minutes, the scores didn't actually move. It stayed fifty-eight, fifty-seven for basically the last third of that last uh, quarter. So they just held fast and and got got the job done. Made the Giants do things that they don't usually do. I found in that game. Uh, and when I'm saying that, I'm talking the team game, centering it to the top of the square for the easy kick. There are a few you know, make or break snaps from tight angles that I don't think they've been taking this September. So, you know, the good teams make other sides do that. And, uh, yeah, I'm salty the the pies won, but that's just because they're the pies. But begrudgingly, I can say that they, you know, they they really did guts that one out. And and your man, Seb, Jordan Degoe, just just gave you a nice little boost. He was huge. Yeah, well, I've been saying that all year, that Degoe's the one who will, Will win them the flag, and he is the more important, uh, more impactful player than Dacos. Um, obviously, we've got the Brownlow medal. We'll jump into shortly, but but Nick didn't quite get enough votes to get over the line. Um, but yeah, it was. There were two things I'm really. One thing I'm really happy about from that game. One thing that's just, I think we've just got to really work to fix up in our game, and can be easily fixed. But you know, no one will ever admit it. Firstly. It feels like Collingwood lucky in one sense, but I look at it as they finished on top of the ladder. They didn't have to leave Melbourne. They had an extra week's rest. The Giants finished sixth, and they'd won all these games. They played in probably two elimination finals in the lead-up um, just to get into the eight, and then had to travel. To, sorry, they finished seventh. They had to travel to Melbourne to play the Saints. They had to travel to Adelaide to play Port Adelaide. Then they had a five six-day break to then play Collingwood. Yeah. It just they just everyone looked out on their feet late, but Collingwood just had enough to keep them at bay, and and it's good that the team that had the better, more consistent regular season gets that little edge when it matters in the finals. Um, if that game's played up in Sydney, and Colling and the Giants have the rest, probably a different outcome. Um, Collingwood look out of form compared to where they were two or three months ago, but that sort of is a little bit irrelevant coming into a grand final. You know, you, you it's all that one day in September, you know, anything can happen sort of stuff. So I, I thought that was really pleasing. But anyone who who enjoys 
enjoy the last 10 minutes with the whistle away and thought that was good and good for the game is is mad. If they're not no, going to umpire with like you that, on that. all yeah, year, then suddenly they're just going to ignore obvious free kicks and then half the year they're paying technical ticky touchwood ones. Like, it, it's just stupid. It's stupid, but everyone walks away going, oh, it was epic, it was one point. The ball was just kick to kick either end, either end, and there was no free kick to stop it and reset and set things up, and it was just chaotic. Like, if you like watching chaos, go and watch some of the lower levels or the ammos where everyone's terrible. Like, you'll get the same thing. It's not it, – it just – yeah, it, it's – to me, it's not a good idea for the game to start doing that. Yeah, well, and, and I think, you you, you know, you, we don't tend to delve too much into the umpiring, I mean, on occasion, but, you know, th- this was one where it was – it wasn't sort of, yeah, the – it was those blatant ones that they were just missing. I think Toby Green got a couple of round the necks that maybe he just copped because he's Toby Green. But, you know, there, there were plenty of others and there were, you know, bodies flying. Yet yeah, that's the side of it we love, I guess. But, yeah, there, there was some howlers missed. And I'm, I'm talking, it's not a handful. It was probably about nine to ten, at least in that last quarter, that, you know, majority were giants. But that were just missed. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm all for putting the whistle away. That happens in wet weather footy, but it does make sense, Seb, that you get these little. I mean, yeah, why? Uh, it looks better in a final, but it doesn't make sense. It should be umpired the same way every game. I'm still on that wagon of we need professional umpires. Yeah, sorry, full time umpires. Uh, might not fix it, but I think we get at least a bit more consistency. Um, but I, I've got to say, in terms of like the rest, you you could tell. The, the worry is with the teams, especially now with the buy, that it's all over the shop in terms of how, you know, the teams that have that week off in the semi-final week bounce back and we'll obviously get to Brisbane and how they came out. But to me, the, the pies were like, we're back, we're playing footy, this is what we want to do. They jumped out of the blocks. They they might have actually, I think, sort of got the jelly legs after a big first quarter and a bit and just slowed from there. And, you know, there obviously wasn't a high-scoring game, but... They, they did come out with a bit of fire there and, and sort of jump the Giants. So, you know, you, you take your hat off to the Giants again for, for cracking back in. But, yeah, the, the energy was high from the Pies. I, I didn't – look, I, they were a worry for me in terms of how they were going to come out. And they, you know, they bounced and used the crowd to their advantage. Yeah, and but I also thought that's where the Giants showed maturity um, beyond what we thought they were capable of in the first half of the year. Collingwood were all over them, but it was two goals to none at quarter time. And in this day and age, two goals with the six 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 can be pegged back very, very quickly. Um, and they obviously they did that with a was it four goals to none in the second quarter? Yeah, four yeah, goals like to none good, in the yeah. second quarter. Like it, it, the tide shifted quickly. Um, and it was a seesawing game. And and yeah, I, I don't the low scoring. I don't mind. It was just the last. Like there's. Based on what, from the 10-minute mark in the fourth quarter, there was literally one more score, according to the scoreworm, which was a goal to the Giants to put them within within a point. There's no other score. Yeah, I think that was and that's Hogan's just, kick. That's just, you don't see that in a game of footy ever. Um, well, I mean, you go back to the last time they played in a prelim, pouring with rain 2019, and there were there were plenty of goals late in that one. So, look... That's that's sort of what they're doing and kind of why, as a neutral fan, you get frustrated with the pies. It ain't pretty. It's effective and their role players play roles. It's not going to be in any highlights reel, but it's just, yeah, they just get the job done. 
but as a neutral, you get frustrated by that because they seem gettable, but you know that they've come this deep and they're, you know, they're going into a home grand final. It's it, it it's it's really on their terms, and yeah, it's wins like these that, that get you there. Yeah, yeah. Look, it it at the end of the day, you win by a point or win by a hundred. You you still go through to the grand final next week. There's no percentage. Um, I I'd personally fall on the side of you want a tough hit out, work through it, and then you've got a well. They've got the extra days rest, so they'll be they'll be raring to go this week. Um, it just it's disappointing as it is for the Giants. You know it. it Affirms you got to you sort of really got to get top four to give yourself the best shot at at going through. And I mean, they they were brave. Value it, you could use every positive aspect to describe the Giants, and they did everything right except win the game. Um, Adam Kingsley has been officially named Coach of the Year. Um, I'm not sure which organization doles out the Coaches of the Year, Tom. It's uh, just another award that that you know, gets thrown around and bandied around. Um, but I think he's might very much the, deserving. Yeah, it might be the coaches association without knowing. Uh, I know there's also an assistant coach of the year and I'm not sure how they work that one out, but uh, he's won that before. I think actually uh, Kingsley when he was at the Saints maybe, but or the Tigers. But um, look, that, that that's well-deserved. I mean, they, they came in most preseason ladders had them bottom four or five and, you know they were looking that way ten rounds in, and they've they've turned it around. I guess the challenge for them is now: is this a bit of bottled momentum that they had in September, or are they, you know, can they bounce back? And I mean, we saw last year's prelim teams, Brisbane and Collingwood, bounce back and bounce into a granny. Can the Giants do something like that? Because they've got a hell of a base, and you've got to like what you're seeing in terms of their list. Um, I think I don't know. I can't remember if we've chatted about it on this, but we've definitely talked about it online. But they just seem to know the blokes that they don't want. And if they are not happy to let a guy go, they get full price. Sometimes they get, you know, overpriced. And I'm talking, you know, your Tarantos, Hoppers, Shield. I saw J- Jackson Haitley who went to the Crows. He was a first-round pick. He's been delisted. Um, you know, there's probably a few. Jeremy Cameron, Taylor Adams, who I guess we'll cover later because he's injured. You know, a few that they they might like. Jack Steele, he's probably another. But for everyone that they miss in terms of, uh, you know, the career post-Giants, they they hit and they get first-round picks and they stay on this train and they stay on this circle and they just keep keep the talent rolling in. So well, You're right. Thing- like, they didn't want to lose Cameron. That yeah. was one they just had to do, whereas most of the others that have they've let go, they've been like, yeah, okay. Like we'll we'll deal with it, we'll work with it, we'll get something back, and they've done that, and they've drafted well, and they develop well. They've just, I was going to say they just haven't been able to get over the hump, but like the reality is, they've been in the comp twelve years, and this is their third or fourth prelim. I think it's their fourth or fifth. So uh, obviously, doggies twenty sixteen. I think they played Richmond in twenty seventeen. Collingwood. Yeah. 2019 and now this so that's four yeah i think i might even be forgetting one there might be another one in there actually uh 2020 they didn't trouble the scorers or 21 i'm happy to put my neck out at four yeah which which is you know we, we and we might get to this in a little bit but that's a relatively good like as much as they want equalization in, you know, not everyone can win everything. So that's still a pretty good sort of 
basis, I guess you'd say, if your first 12 years, you're going to get to four prelims. Um, I know there's clubs who haven't had four prelims and they've been around forever in the last 12 years. So they've done a lot right. They just keep working, keep trying to find the right mix and, and do everything else. And they've like the guys they've kept and the leaders they've got, Cornelio, Kelly, Green, uh, leading the way with some of this other young talent coming through and they're like they're exciting to watch. Well, if they if they play Brisbane this week, you know, it'd be it'd be exciting. It'd be exciting uh game we'd be looking forward to just as much as Collingwood playing Brisbane. Absolutely. So I think in terms to go back into the game, I know big big uh, Kieran Briggs that he wasn't a hundred percent. I don't know how much it affected them given they love the clearance game, but he just wasn't right all night and a little bit of a singer to see Mason salute and kick a goal. He just doesn't you, you wouldn't pick him to kick a set shot, but just get him in a prelim and he doesn't mind it. He just booted that one through late and that that was that was enormous. That was kind of the breathing space they needed. Um I mentioned him, yeah, off the top, but Dagoe was just everywhere. I mean, you've talked about the Danaher Hipwood, can they play multiple games in a row? Is Jordan Dagoe capable of another huge game? Because they may need it. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, for all the criticism he copped, and he's not doing this right, that he's in Bali and someone's filmed him doing something else. But all of that, if you look at his year this year, he had it. He got injured, had a little down patch, was still playing okay footy through that time. And now, best on ground in a prelim. And he, he's, he's primed to go. He's a big time player. Like, Instead of trying to compare him to Dusty, who, as a big-time player's go, is the best we've seen and may well ever yeah. see, you don't have to be Dusty to win the premiership. If you actually look at Richmond, they won two of those grand finals by massive margins, and whether Dusty did that or didn't, I think they're still going to win the flag. Um, Geelong won, he sort of did spark a comeback. They were obviously on top early. To go, he doesn't have to do that necessarily. He just has to be really good. Doesn't have to be dusty, four goals, 40, 38 touches or whatever, you know? So, yeah, what standard you want, how high you hold it up, I don't know. But uh, he's he's someone who I'd have a little little bit of kangaroo on for, for a Norm Smith. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. Um, and, I mean, we'll probably get to this in the preview. I might just go with it now. Losing McStay, where where do you Massive. sit with that? Because he, he was prominent early. I mean, you talk about Sparks. He he was a kind of player, you know, confidence player. He got his hands on it early and kicked straight early, and he may may well have kicked four that night. He was looking good, uh, and they've lost him this week uh, as a scoring option. It, it's massive structurally because you take him out. There are other forwards they've been playing, uh, Cox and Meyer check, and then obviously uh, Cameron. Cameron and Cox will swap and, and do whatever. Neither Meyer, Check or Cox are really capable of running in and crashing a pack and, and taking a good contested mark. Cox, for all as tall as he is, I've seen him do it once in his life against Richmond and never again since. So I don't. Yes, it it's could not happen. A strategy that one. <laughs> I think that was lightning in the on. bottle. One out of a hundred grand finals, he might do it. He may well do it here, but I I don't. I think Brisbane's defense will be looking forward to that, and Harris Andrews will just they'll find matchups for those two. Harris Andrews will float loose, and they'll just work them over. If if Collingwood are not smart bringing the ball in, McStay just seemed to have that footy now and, and ability, a good pair of hands. Um, 
runs and jump. Like, I don't know. If I'm Craig McRae, I'm just keeping a little like break glass in case of emergency and getting ready to swing Jeremy Howe up forward midway through a third quarter sort of thing. Um, if if things aren't going to plan with Cox and Meyer check, because they're, they're going to miss the the presence of Dan McStay. I can't believe I'm saying that, but they will. Yeah, there's, there's one there. Well, uh, I, I saw this stat and I was interested. So Collingwood players this year that have kicked 20 goals or more, Mychek, Elliott, Bobby Hill, Ash Johnson, McStay. So you've got two of them missing this week. You don't think Johnson gets back. Uh, so that leaves them with three versus the Lions who are rocking into town with uh, seven players that have kicked uh, 20 or more this year. If this goes shootout, I'm not liking it for the Pies. And I'm with you, McStay. He's not your traditional forward, and and he's not your, you know, your first forward. But he's just an honest second, third option. Take a defender if he kicks his two. That's more than enough. Uh, and they'll just miss it because yeah, they do. Like you said, they're going to have to rely on other options that we know aren't consistent. So yeah, massive, massive loss that one. And while we're on injuries, I guess Taylor Adams hasn't come up either. Where where do you sit with that one? Uh, as it, as in the effect on the pies, Taylor Adams. I think his hamstring nah. was no good today. Not not missed. They can cover that one. Uh, it, it'll be a big story because the media need big stories like this, and it'll be an emotional thing. But he does a lot right. He's a butcher, and he's slowing down. And it's not like the the tide's turning for him to be out of their best twenty two in the next couple of years. Like. He, he, he's much more coverable than what uh, a Dan McStay does. Um, and, I mean, you, you'd ping a hamstring in the lead-up to the prelim. It would have been a miracle if he got back for the grand final. Like, let's let's face it. Like, the, yeah, you, the, the one-and-a-half-week hamstring. hamstring, they don't exist. Yeah. I still don't know what Stephen May did in that week in uh, back in 2021. That, that's legit the only hamstring in inverted commas I've seen but he probably <laughs> barely pulled it he played it probably with a, a little he cramp. played with a tear in his hamstring like, oh he did what, so that's yeah. what he did it just he shouldn't have played and they're lucky they just belted the dogs yeah geez it wasn't yeah that that's crazy well I guess yeah you can't get away with that I do think Tom Mitchell covers that role geez he loves a handball Tom Mitchell it was so I sort of saw him doing on on Friday night was getting that little what sub five meter handball, but that's his go. Uh, and Taylor's similar, but he, I guess, he could, he could sort of, I guess, win you more of a clearance maybe than a Mitchell. I mean, Mitchell still wins clearances, but yeah, I agree with you. It is, it is coverable, but I mean, yeah. they've got Look, Scott Pendlebury too, who goes okay in there, I think. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, we mentioned to Goey, Dacos, Josh Dacos. I know uh, there's some pace there on the inside and outside there. So look, yeah, they'll cover it. That. Mids, you can cover them uh, unless you're very, very elite. Uh, well, let's let's get up to the Gabba then, Seb. Uh, this this one was probably on paper the one you'd say wouldn't have been the close match, but I tell you, quarter time, Blues fans were booking tickets. It was, you know, if you thought the lid was off after the semi final win, this was unbelievable stuff. I actually thought it was a Carlton home game at different stages in that first quarter. That pocket was on fire. Yeah, no, they they travelled well. I think um, Ticketmaster actually crashed close to quarter time. The Blues fans <laughs> were checking how to get their tickets, and uh, yeah, it didn't didn't go so well for them. But um, no, to their credit, they travelled travelled well. They're 
probably travel as well as Collingwood do, and that's that's no mean feat. But it just, I, I don't know how Brisbane fell asleep and came out so sluggish, and then I don't know how Carlton put the cue in the rack from quarter time. Like I, I mentioned it last week, how Voss seems to have the team ready to play different styles at different times, and they went bang, 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 bang in the first quarter. Then one goal for basically the next, uh, for, from the for the last few minutes of the first quarter all the way into, um, midway through the third, the fourth quarter they kicked one goal in that space and that's the difference because yeah, Brisbane have kicked eight goals in that time, so I really, it it, it was quite bizarre. Like Charlie Kerner not hurt but not not giving them enough given. You know, is kids. that harsh? Do you think? Like, is the bar high because he's a Coleman medalist? And I get, you know, like, well, he's won the Coleman on the back of kicking ten against West Coast and then nine against West Coast and then another big bag against North. six against the Ruse like, or something like that. Yeah, he's won the Coleman on the back of that versus when he playing the better teams, you don't kick as many goals. Now it's sort of natural, but then to play three finals and kick three goals when you're averaging three point four goals a game. Like you're down on form, or the team aren't kicking it to you properly, or you're hurt. There's a whole host of things, but surely you can expect him to kick two to three a game, or even have the shots, or take the marks to get the shots. Like, yeah, that that's the thing, isn't it? Because it wasn't as if he, you know, kicked zip four and well three goals five or something over this finals period. He wasn't actually having too many shots at goal. Um, I mean, I, I feel he was slightly hard done by. I mean, he, oh, maybe it's the care or oh, the love I've got for the key forwards, but you know, if the supply is not there, you know, you're not going to kick him. I guess he does have the skill set to rip a game to shreds, but I think you know, the three goal a game was his floor for this final. So, you know, the fact that he didn't reach that, it just hurt him and it's probably hurt his rep slightly, which. Guess that you make it in finals, and and he'll they'll have to live with that and come back and get better. But, um, yeah, I yeah, I, look, it wasn't terrible. He wasn't great. He wasn't average. But we expected him to be top five in the comp. So that that's just where we're at with that. I mean, Big Harry actually looked the more prominent of the Fords, and especially uh, real early, he was a real target and a real presence. And you know, he he bagged one early, and he he looked lively. Yeah, he did. He he was up and about kicking them. He's clunking everything. Um, anyone who bizarrely thought he they maybe they'd be better off without him were very quickly shown they would not be. Um, but it takes more than the two forwards, and that's what Brisbane have. Their key forwards are not really their match winners. They're good; they do a lot of things right. But it's all the like Lincoln McCarthy's deadly um, and can take a mark. Charlie Cameron's quick as lightning and and just puts pressure on. Um, they've got forwards that like to uh, mids that like to float forward for a goal. Um, Oscar McInerney's bobbed up with two goals, which probably really put some pressure on the Blues in the end. And and just like if you said to Carlton, if you said to Vossi coming in, all right, you're going to hold Brisbane to 79 points, you'd go, oh, beautiful. Like I'll take yeah, that. They average 105 that. up there. They're undefeated. We get 25 points below that average. Like absolutely, I'll take that. Um, I'll so- sign me up for that. And then to jump out of the gates, like everything was set up, and then Brisbane were the better side. Again, did 
playing consecutive weeks, having to travel up north, um, having t- like a t- Melbourne, a tough side to have a hit out against. Like, say whatever you want about them, but they're big bodied inside mids Melbourne, and Carlton went head to head with them and came out on top, but potentially at what cost? I mean, Blake Akers is just getting his hand on everything. He was obviously hurt coming into this, um, had another key little touch moment off the off the bounce. Um, yeah, that's right. He did too. I give. I just. I'm. I'm glad Brisbane got up, and it was a case of they ran the game out better and more fresher, and and did all these other things. And it was almost a case of the opposite early, given Carlton had played two games in a row and playing this third one, and then Brisbane come out of the gates asleep, like they'd had another week off and were still relaxing. Um, it could this could have gone the opposite way, and we could have had the biggest grand final in in AFL history. Um, but We've got the two best sides, and and again, valiant from Carlton. All those nice words to talk about Carlton. That's great. Well done. Sixteen points. Um, don't sit four, eight, and one with the halfway point of the season. Get yourself right up there. If, <laughs> like that'll do it. Finish top four, and you don't get yourself in this spot necessarily. Yeah, they, yeah, that's it. And look, I mean, they'll look at that. I mean, it is a not a worry, but I mean, they've had a couple of. Early last year, that first half of the year, pressure-free, they performed. This year, I mean, it was pressure in terms of Vossi's position, but the players were happy to just go out and play and just, just you know, they couldn't get any lower really at that point. So, you know, they got to they got to find a way to deal with expectation, and it'll be huge next year. So that is probably top of their list to sort that out and get the players straight. Um, did you read anything into the fact Carlton had four four ins and outs? I mean, it. It's a little thing, but it, and I know like, you know, they've obviously played two hard finals. You mentioned the big bodies of the D's, but you don't tend to see teams swing that many at this point of the year. You want that, that stability. You want maybe 24, 25 blokes that could come in. Like you don't tend to push the squad out more than that. Uh, Again, it is a little thing, but I just thought, you know, are they, they sort of flirting a bit here, bringing in, you know, Boyd was good, but uh, you know hasn't has barely played this year. You know, were they at the pace? I just thought that was interesting that the Blues did that. Well, were you were you considering not bringing in Harry and um, and Joey? Oh, so you got minimum. You got minimum two. I'll give you that. But you know, I've looked. I've liked Brody Kemp. Yeah, some have argued he had bags kicked on him by Smith uh, and uh, Marty in the weeks leading up. But uh, you know, I thought he he'd been solid and. I'm trying to think of the other Oes and Cunningham with the other. Yeah, two I mean Oes had provided a spark, so you know I thought he was unlucky. And it's yeah, three. It's three changes. Like Kennedy was a sub. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that dulls it a bit. Anyway, I was thinking on a Thursday night. I'm like, I think they're flirting a bit with it here. The Blues. I don't, I personally, yeah, like the solid squad. So look, I'm not saying that that affected it, but I do think it played a role. Um, I've got to take my hat off though to flip from Carlton into Brisbane said Harris Andrews first quarter kept this one like as a legitimate score they could come back from for the Lions like Carlton obviously what 29 points up or 30 I think it was even 31 it, it could have gone up into the 40s he, he was I think he only took four intercept marks but three of them were definitely in the first quarter and, and he was a brick wall that just gave them a little bit of that stability and I think a few fed off it um, you know, Coleman's had the game of his life and he's hitting kicks into the, the corridor that you, you just love to watch. Uh, 
you know, he just stabilized the group as a good leader does. So um, th- that was huge. And then I'm interested, Seb. So your man, Eric Hipwood, I don't know if you count this as his good game, but he's gone back late in the first and, and just slotted a real nice steadier. And, you know, that, that kind of got the, the lines on the board, probably settled the nerves a bit. And then they obviously went from there. But that, that was huge, that kick. How many goals did he kick after that? <laughs> I'll have to... Hit, hit the books there. None, was Tom, that it? None. That was He's it. kicked one for the day. So, no, uh, uh, like, they got through with him having a poor game. Like, that's maybe how they're going to do it. Um, but you watch. Like, oh, yeah. I'll be one of the few really enjoying a poor grand final from him. I, actually, I don't wish it on him personally, just based on everything I've said in the lead up to this point, um, including many times Brisbane cannot win. They will not win at the G. Um. Yeah, makes it makes it. I've got a little bit invested here before before the bounce. <laughs> well, yeah. Are you are you worried about that? I feel like it hasn't had that much airtime this week. They're gonna be. Um, they're gonna win. They're playing better footy, kicking more goals. They should be favourites. The only reason Collingwood are favourites, or two reasons. If you have Collingwood as underdogs, all the money will come in from those pie supporters. I don't know. Flip it, and. It's at the MCG. So no matter what happened, the deck was stacked against Brisbane to win this flag because it was always going to be in Melbourne. Um, and obviously Collingwood play there all the time, know it well. Even when these two teams played in Melbourne this year and Brisbane beat them, it was at Marvel. Yeah, exactly. So we don't have a pure example to go off, do we? But, I mean, we're sort of straying into the preview as we go through, and I don't mind it, but... Brisbane's best is better than Collingwood's best, but Brisbane's worst is worse than Collingwood's worst. Like they, they, and, and we're talking good teams here. So it's not, this isn't like a young team, you know, in the bottom four where it's a real wild swing. Like these are good units, but yeah, Brisbane, you, you could see them kicking a hundred plus and, and, and saluting at a good margin, but you could also picture sort of a West coast 2015 nightmare as well. Uh, you think the pies would be reasonably stable in the middle there. So uh, that, that's sort of an interesting fact there. I, I just think, yeah, it's not, not bad for the pies that they, they can sort of rely on a consistent bank. But, uh, I mean, I don't know if you jump onto the weather, Seb. It's looking 29 and sunny. Is it Brisbane-esque conditions? And can they make it like home? Because, I, I, yeah, I mean this G hoodoo is there to be broken. And if they win this, I mean, it doesn't matter the hoodoo really, because they got it done when it matters. That's right. That's right. It, it absolutely doesn't matter. Um, they are uh, like, how do you, how do you assess it in the lead up? Right. They've won. And I'm just trying to confirm this. They've won their last four against Collingwood. Actually, I can give you an update on that one. Because the the swamp on Twitter gave it to me, they've won their last six against the Pies. It's one of the longest streaks of grand final teams coming in. Unless the uh, the great swamp on Twitter is wrong, uh, I reckon he might be. Would, he would, look. I'm quoting they what find, he said. They've won two this year, right? Oh, maybe I read that wrong. I think, yeah. I think, oh, they I think won by six. a point. Yeah, 2021. They beat them by a point and then beat them by 85. Yeah, so, so look, it's a fair streak coming in. They, they yeah. don't, I mean, I, I feel like it might have been swayed that stat, though, because 
It was they 20... do get them on a Thursday night Easter game up at the Gabba. They win most of those. Well, tw- that was the last one they lost, 2019. Oh, um, there you go, Jeez, walked into that. Yeah, no, they look. They, I fact you factor that in. Um, both times I played them this year, they've kicked over a hundred. The Lions, um, which is a pretty surefire method to victory, um, and they, they're they're just in better form. Well, just objectively, they're winning games in better methods. Collingwood just got over the line against Melbourne, absorbing a, a barrage late in that game. They've just gotten over the line against the Giants. Brisbane have beaten Carlton by three goals. Slow start, still got ahead by well four, and then there was a goal late to Jack Martin. Um, took care of the power, no worries. Don't even think about it. They've won their games in the lead up. Like ob- objectively, they're in better form. Like and and yeah, Collingwood on top of the ladder couldn't be caught, couldn't be beaten, couldn't be this. They won one more game for the year than Brisbane. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to believe that, Seb, because I'm going for the Lions and I would love to see them salute. But are we in – it is risky with an interstate side. That that home ground advantage is massive. I mean, how many interstate teams have we seen come in in red-hot form? I'm looking at you, Adelaide Crows, as an example, uh, looking absolutely magnificent. And they just cop a Melbourne team on a Melbourne, Melbourne team's home deck and – you know, it's it's just you have to play one good game. So I think the Swans are probably another example of that. Uh, they look like they were flying this time last year too. So I'm weary. I just, I think, yeah, but the Lions oh. have the better weapons. That their, their midfield, you'd think, has got more class and cream to it. And, they, you know, their, their back line does what it needs to do, not unlike Collingwood. So, look. If you take, if it was in a neutral venue, you'd, you'd be loving the Lions. But the the G factor is huge. Uh, look, they've got the weapons. I've said that, so I'm gonna I'm gonna back them in here. Uh, needing a couple of their uh, not breaking case of emergency, but your your McCluggages and your Zach Bailey's, if if they can get get amongst it in particular, because that they're they they've got great upsides and their their best is fantastic. If they can just get off the chain a little bit, they'll make life hard for the uh, for the Pies. Yeah, that, that's their strength. They've got so many avenues to goal, um, different weapons, different. You've got the two forwards who can take a mark and kick a goal when they're called upon, hits the deck. You've got Charlie, uh, Bailey, McCluggage, Lockie Neal. Like there's just names. And then like on the weekend, you had Oscar McInerney bombing up for a couple. And if he does that, like if Oscar McInerney kicks two goals in this grand final, I've got no doubt Brisbane will win. Yeah, that's sort of barometer-ish, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah, and the, look, yeah, up the, up the other end. I mean, can can the Pies put together that score? I mean, if 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 you're saying the Lions like a cracking the ton, I mean, can the can the Pies do it with a forward line with Mychek, Elliot, Mason probably comes down, Lipinski drifts in, maybe Will Hoskin Elliot's down there as well. I mean, well, they they probably need a ton of midfield goals, the Pies. Again, for all the talk about Brisbane being the high-scoring team, Brisbane kicked 38 more points than Collingwood through the home and away year. Like yeah, there you go. Points for 2142 to points for 2 There's not a huge discrepancy. It's more about when and where they come. Like Brisbane belted north. Collingwood didn't belt north in the same – like, you know. So how do you weigh it all up? Um, 
I, I've, I've questioned Collingwood's having used to go all year, but they get a run on with their midfielders and there's handball, 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 and Dacos has a shot. Lipinski has a shot. Um, Tommy Mitchell have a, a ping. Like They're probably bringing Ginevan for McStay. You've got Ginevan. Bobby Hill's been in a pretty good patch of form and they'll really need that to continue because he's, he's lively and dangerous and, and just absolutely knows where those goals are. So I don't doubt they can do it. I just... They've just been off. They've been off to what we saw from rounds one through to fifteen, and that's that. That's where you get done in these games. You might only lose by ten points, but but they're just off. Yeah, look, it's it's hard to argue. I mean, it's purely off the eye test because they're getting the wins, but it it's yeah, it's not pretty. It's a grind. It's got that element of luck to but it. That, that's the thing that they, they, they've just beaten Melbourne and just beaten the Giants. But in the lead-up, they've lost to Brisbane, lost to Hawthorne, lost to Carlton, beat Essendon and beat Geelong. Like they weren't, so the they weren't coming in in that cracks. form at, the, at that time of year. Like Brisbane lost to the Suns, which was a call it what you want. It was a bit of a shock, and then they went beat Freo, beat Adelaide, beat Collingwood, beat the Saints. Like four wins that built them up, and then they haven't. They've won their their finals just. Just a little bit more comfortably than the pies. Um, I'm, I'm, I've talked myself into the Lions for the last few days, and and I think that's where I'm going to land. But by no means am I thinking they're going to come out and do it easy. Like there's there's work to be done. There's adjustments. Um, it'd be a fascinating little coaching duel on the day as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, if you, I mean, McRae was there obviously in the three peats. So he knows a thing or two about. Brisbane v Collingwood grannies. Um yeah, it's whether for me, like can can the can the pies and they, they do zone well. I will give credit to their defense. I mean, I've loved Quayne as September, you know, not a fan of Maynard post Brayshaw, but he's doing a job. Nathan Murphy is a pest, but he's effective. Um he, you know, Darcy he, Moore. They've got a if if the AFL want to look at and I mentioned it last week, if they want to look at the defenders who have no interest in the ball and just want to take their opponent out. Murphy's the first player you'd look at. <laughs> he has no intention of Been ever doing winning it all the ball. Year. And this is not an attack on him per se. This is his role and where he's been told to do. And there's plenty of others around the traps. But he just does everything he can to make sure his opponent can't get to it with no interest of his own of getting the ball. He was very lucky he was not pinged for deliberate late in that game where it hit the deck and then he jumped at it with two hands and just paddled it towards the line because I've been told all year insufficient intent. If it's not a marking contest, you cannot hit it towards the boundary line in defense. Um, But the whistle was away at that point. It's just, he's a fully negative mindset and that's okay. It's, It's not a bad thing. I think overall, that's one way you can start letting the players decide the results is not letting the defenders just ignore the ball. But engage the no, body, but fair, make sure yeah. you try and punch it. He engages yeah. the body and pretends he's looking up at the ball and the ball's nowhere near. But if for some reason, his awkward style, they seem to let it go all the time. Yeah, it, look, and it's on, not isolated this September. I think, yeah, watch the tape back of his year. They, yeah, that's his go. That's his role. But, um, you know, both defences are smart, so they will obviously, you know, get to the spots they need in terms of the zone. But if, yeah, if the Pies can just lock up that corridor, because we saw Carlton sort of 
wilted's a little harsh, but they wilted a little bit, gave that little bit of room. They don't need much. We've talked about the pace of Brisbane. We mentioned Coleman, Archie's another. I mean, Lockie Neal's got wheels, Zorko, uh, Jared Berry even. I wouldn't say he's super quick, but he he could get through there as well. And, and yeah, if they can break, I mean, clog up that corridor, Collingwood, it'll, it'll help uh, the Lions. But... Yeah, they, they just find a way. It was like the prelim. It was just that wave. They're constantly, constantly trying for that kick. Uh, and eventually, yeah, the, the Blues wilted and they got through. So, yeah, I'll just be interested in the Brisbane start. I mean, if they can get a real good, strong start here, it's going to go a long, long way. We've said it all September, Seb, but it, it's massive in this game. It is. It, it's huge. The The first 10 minutes of this game, you you learn who's got the nerves, who's ready who switched on cheap and easy goal. Like goals are so hard to come by in a grand final. You get a couple of easy ones and that can be the difference when it's late and things are tight and everyone's cooked. You know, you've got an extra goal early. Sometimes they're from cheap free kicks. That's what happens. You get in the right spot. You get a little one your way. Um, It's going to be key to to winning this game, getting off to a good start. Neither team are easy to run down. Uh, absolutely. Well, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, oh, man, I'm pumped for it. Uh, well, we might as well. We've we've, we've uh, previewed it. Do you have a, a tip and, and give me a Norm Smith tip as well while you're at it? All right. Go on the lines, obviously. I, I want to tip. I want to tip Collingwood's a tip to go into a Norm Smith because I've been on him all year. You yeah. could you could give it to him in a losing side, rare, very very rare. But yeah, oh, you got to be damn good. You got to be damn good. Um, I look Brisbane and and Josh Dunkley. I think Dunkley yeah. <laughs> criminally underrated, but um, I I think the the panel will find him, and he's been key to what they've done all year. Yeah, that's a good one. In your super coach, if I'm not mistaken, Dunkley. Pick one, so had a Pick one first, in my draft. Yeah, had a first-hand look at him all year. Uh, I'm going to go with a bloke I've loved too. I'm, I'm tipping the Lions as well, and I'm going to jump on uh, the Zach Bailey wagon. I just feel like he's he's primed for 20-plus and a couple of goals, and that, that could be the game-breaker. So, uh, yeah, he doesn't mind playing the Pies, doesn't mind winning games against the Pies. Uh, he's my tip, and, yeah, on the Lions wagon. Yeah, anyone who can bowl up with four or more goals, you go close. So if he can uh, have an impact, I mean, they've got. We we. I don't even. I know I didn't. I don't know if you did, but we didn't really talk about Cam Rayner and his game changing yeah. ability up forward. And I'm just looking at that going. Now he's someone I might have a little little dough on for the Norm Smith. He he could bob up with three. He's the sort of player to have three and a quarter and just turn it and then kick one more and finish the game. And you're like, yep. He was a difference. Yeah, he was. So yeah, that's it. Their weapons and, and how Collingwood counteract that are huge. Absolutely. Well, geez, it's massive. We'll, we'll be here to cover it. But uh, you, you look, most weeks, that, that's where you'd wrap it up. But there's plenty more news there. We haven't even discussed Brownlow. What were your thoughts there? Lockie Neal's a two-time Brownlow medal winner. And you know, if the AFL had any balls and held upheld Patrick Cripps's suspension last year, like if he got rubbed out for that bump, He'd be a three-time winner. Yeah, which is off the charts. I mean, two puts him in in rare air, let alone, well, three, it's all Hall of Fame legend stuff, really. There's not too many that have won three that aren't legends in the Hall of Fame. So I don't think there is any. Like, two's up there. You've got Fife, Ablett, Judd, 
uh, Goods, Greg Williams, and now Robert I'm really test- yeah, Robert Harvey. I'm t- and I don't think I can go back any further than that. Um, He's Greg, I, I think I just remember him giving half yeah, medal two, one year. Two so. for North in the seventies. Now, you know, you got yeah. your three timers: Ian Stewart, um, Aiden Bunton. Bunton, yeah. There's, I think, there's four three timers. Four three Dick timers. Reynolds, maybe. Yeah, yeah, but we're going. We're talking pre AFL era, so I yeah. sort of don't count them personally. Um, <laughs> but it's true. I'm, I'm an no, AFL. No, no, I know you don't. I, yeah. I really, yeah. you hold fast like, on that. I couldn't believe Fox put up a graphic with Carlton's 16 premierships, Collingwood's 15, and Brisbane's three. Not counting. Yeah, I, I saw that as well. I did see that. That was that harsh. is just bizarre because I like really the the four Collingwood one in the 30s. How do they stack up versus the ones you win now? Like they just don't. Like, oh, it really grinds my gears. This BFL history stuff from hundreds of years ago when it's a different competition. Well, it's an yeah. I know the competition just evolved. The AFL era. Yeah, I, well, so that's that's where I draw it. That's what I know too. It makes it a little bit easier. But yeah, like legit premierships where you have to travel outside your state and win games outside Victoria. Um, and when there's 16 teams, not when there's seven or whatever they were in the, the early 1900s. Um, but but to not include Fitzroy's ones with Brisbane's just yeah that is that was rough. just silly, just silly. Um, but look, Lockie Neal, we talking about Brownlow. We really got off track then. Um, <laughs> he it was sneaky value. So if you looked at it, everyone's Dacos, 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 Dacos. Mm-hmm. Bit more Dacos, Bontempelli, right? I said Petrarca last week, and I was real happy with myself because he was right. Up, like he was keeping up with Dacos, and then had the six weeks at the end. Didn't get votes where he maybe could have, maybe didn't. Um, I was right. I sort of right because my big thing was Clayton Oliver went out. So normally Oliver and Petrarca both end up around twenty twenty two, and then neither of them win it on that. But Clayton Oliver's out, so Petrarca might. Get through and, and get some, but Jack Viney bobbed up with a yeah. I was going to say vote Jack, after vote after vote. He, he finished with twenty four, which I think was good enough to you know they give you a summary on the back page where they probably have about the top fifteen. He's there, like if that ain't vote pinching one hundred one. He yeah, he did the Oliver role, but you wouldn't have picked that coming in. I mean, he had a solid year, but I mean, obviously extra games, so there's more votes this year. But twenty four is is not a tally to be sneezed at like that that's a brilliant year absolutely it is it's uh yeah and so you know Petrarca's five short um Bontempelli's runner-up Dacos still 28 like I think everyone's real happy that he didn't win it because Collingwood would have been unbearable but to have 28 votes in your second year is nothing to just shirk at um then like Zach Butters Errol Goulden these young kids coming through like it's good to see some new names at the top um Bontempelli Scotty West 2.0 almost um yeah, brilliant I year but just not well. enough and yeah just well I mean the, the thing I like and I actually don't mind it because I, I like it where there's a Brownlow count where people are looking back at odd games and thinking what the hell happened there and there's I reckon this year there's been more of them than we've probably ever seen so I mean, you mentioned Errol Gould, and not off the top. He had 42 and kicked two in the last game, picked up one vote. Might have been stiff there. Uh, you know, everyone's jumping on that 
Giants Lions game where Lockie Neal had twenty and Charlie kicked seven and you know Neal gets a three there. But I mean, there's there's other you know there's swings and roundabouts. But uh, the game that there's a couple of games that ju- jumped out to me as bizarre. Andrew Phillips in gather round as, as the big ruckman. I know he kicked two in the ruck, but he he's got his first Brownlow votes and walked out with the best on ground three that day. Essendon fans, I'm not sure you saw that one coming. And I thought, firstly, the the Hornet, his first game as a as a power member, he, he gets the three votes in that round one game. But then he he got three votes for a game against the Cats. It's just been ripped online, and you know, maybe rightly so, with sort of 13 possessions, four of them ineffective. I mean, I personally don't mind the intrigue with this. It, it's sort of what the Brownlow is, where you're sort of scratching and how did that happen? But I think, yeah, it's probably magnified this year because I feel there was a bit of a swell for the Bont, uh, maybe even Dacos as well. And, you know, Neil's had his go uh, per se and maybe we wanted a new winner. But, you know, that I've just, there's been a lot of material. Neil's been great, but, you know, it's not not the widely commended Brownlows we've seen in the past. Yeah. Plus, he wasn't in the All Australian team, so that you know that that's just another aspect too. Well, it is it, it is what it is. Like if you look at if you look at years gone by, there are always players who poll well and those that don't. And Lockie Neal clearly, if you haven't worked it out now, you hadn't worked it out before the count. You sure know it now. He polls well, so when P has a game and someone else has a game, he'll get the votes ahead of them. And it's just the umpires seem to like it. Um. They're always going to win enough games for someone from Brisbane to be up there. He, he was, I think, fifth on the line of betting, but him and Petrarca just screamed, like, just because their odds were set. I think Petrarca was seven and Lockie Neal was 11 or 12. Like, pre-count, those were the guys you sort of, you throw your 10 bucks on them and you'll get to watch them late in the count, whether they win or not. You know, you, you sort of get something out of it. It's, like, where I... Like there's some intrigue around how those votes are done and everything else, and everyone's saying give the umpire stats and and do this and do that. Can we just 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 feel like can people just start calling out the stupid traditions we have in our game and getting rid of them? Because this is one of them. The umpires Jeez, already have to. You've, det- already, you've gone the bounce now. You're adding the brown low. You. Are- I'm about to bring up the bounce again because I had it explained to me in even more s- simpler terms. I'll, and I'll deviate onto this quickly. Umpires have all these jobs, but now we want them to bounce the ball and get it perfect. If it's not perfect, we'll bring it back, but we still want to keep bouncing it. And sometimes it goes not perfect and it goes on the Ruckman's head and then the other Ruckman runs at him and he's just a sitting duck. So he looks at the Ruckman running at him and then gives away a free kick because the umpire bounced the ball poorly. Get rid of the bounce and you get rid of this whole issue. We want the best decision makers, not the best bouncers in, but the AFL doesn't want bad bouncers in because Razor Ray hasn't been cited late in the finals because he can't bounce. Bizarre. We're so steeped in tradition. This is another one that just should just just get rid of it. Like, why can't we either you, have you're calling for it to get panel? completely? What? Why not? Why do we have to have the umpires do this? We won't get rid of match day reports, even though while they're reporting they should be looking at the game and seeing what's going on behind them. Um, we need them to decide, all right, he's picked the ball up. Did he fend off? No. Did he lower his knees to initiate contact above the shoulders? Or maybe he did. Oh, hang on. He's been caught. What prior opportunity did he have? 
Oh, he's had some. He hasn't quite had enough. He's tackled him to the ground. This is the Dugowie one. Oh, Dugowie's been had his jumper held. He's not being held around the arms, so his arms are free, but he's sort of been held by the jumper and he's been slung around and taken to the ground, but he didn't have prior, and then he got a handball off. There's so many things I have to adjudicate, and now while they're doing all that, they then have to go back and go, oh, who played a good game? Well, of course they're going to go to the players. They probably couldn't remember in this game where Lockie Neal uh, just had the 20 and was quiet. They go, oh, geez, Lockie Neal, he, he had a few in front of me. Yeah, yeah Lockie Neal. Like, it's just it'd be human nature because they're so worried about doing all these other things, and yet we keep them with that job and then we complain about it because we're just a bunch of whingers in this country sometimes. It just either change it or accept it for what it is. But what we do is we leave it as is and then we whinge and whinge and whinge and then we don't celebrate the players that do really well. We don't go, well done, Lockie Neal. Well done, Bont. Like next year, you just got to come with that little bit more. Like Dacos, amazing. Like Scream it from the rooftops. That's amazing to have 28 votes in your second year. Absolutely amazing. Jason Horn Francis to have the 14 or 15 he had in his second year. Also pretty amazing. Just overshadowed a bit by Dacos. Like celebrate the positives. Don't whinge about the negatives. If you want to do something about the negatives, actually have someone have the balls to call it out and go, let's get rid of it. Jeez, you're fired up and I like it. I like when you go on it. Um, Look, I'm I'm pro Brownlow, and look, I don't think it's going anywhere because look at the debate it stirs up. I mean, it, it is it's articles and it's news and it's it's a big big story, and you know, let alone the sort of package you get on a on a night on uh, Channel Seven. So look, I don't think it's going anywhere, Seb. But it's sort of a it, for what it is, which is just counting out votes. It it rates extraordinarily. So look, I I, I don't think it's going anywhere, and I'd look. Maybe yeah, we get back into what I was saying. You, you pay the umps full time, and you and you give them a full package, and you give them the ability to sort of look at a replay of the game you've seen, and sort of back up if what you saw was what you saw. I don't know if there's better ways to do it, but if they're full time, they've got more time to do it. Uh, there's plenty there, but yeah, look, I just that would. I'm work. with you though on the the anti whinging though. Uh, it, 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 yeah, I mean, is it the nature of sport though? Things happen, and we we don't like it because it's not about our team or it's but this team. or Our it's... competition doesn't want to evolve. We want to keep the history, the history of stuff they did a hundred years ago. But that makes no sense. There's a place me. for that though, isn't there? Yeah. It's called the record books in history. It's not called on the field this Saturday. I really hope, I really hope now I've had this round that first bounce is a shocker and they have to call yeah. it back. And then everyone will be like, why are we bouncing it? But that, that um, might be uh, what it takes. Your point, full time umpires would actually make sense. So long as they watch the games without commentary on, and then they watch it and then they vote. Yeah, so they so review their own re-watch. games, but they yeah. do that. And like, that'd make sense. But they're probably not going to sit and watch the whole game and review off that because then they're looking at their decisions, not looking at the players. Like, it just. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, in my head, I'm on. I'm on why a don't we just get them to medium. award the best in various too? They they're there for every game. Like, well, I mean, they're there as well. I mean, there's no shortage of awards. I mean, yeah, the coaches' awards getting more airtime than it ever has, and that's sort of what's driven a bit of this. Uh, how did that player get that? Because you know, you look at the coaches' votes. You had games where there were coaches' vote tens, no Brownlow votes, and then Brownlow votes and no coaches' votes, but. Funnily enough, the top five for Brownlow and coaches' votes ended up being pretty similar. So, 
I mean, they're not not off not as off the mark, but yeah. Anyway, I mean, I, I I'm with you on on some things in terms of tradition. I, I like the Brownlow. Um, I'm I'm hope well, it's here to stay. So I think just get used to it, Seb. Get on board. We'll probably be having this chat this time next year. Maybe one of your young roos might be up there saluting. That'd be a, a call out. And we should get into the roos actually, because you've just been given one of the all-time great compensation packages we've ever seen in the is competition's it? history. Is it? Or well, if you if you read any hype or talk to any Essendon fans, you, you'd think it was uh, a, a record breaker. Ah, yes, I did get into a fun debate with an Essendon fan, but my point was, if North are as terrible as he's been telling me all year, we need this sort of assistance. Maybe we're not that bad. We're probably not as good as I think. We probably land somewhere in the middle. But do you know what the last uh, assistance package given out was? It was to the Suns, right? To the Suns, I was going to say, yeah. So they already had the number one pick. So the AFL gave them the number two pick. And then they got a mid-first round pick in the 2020 draft and the first pick of the second round in the 21 draft. Pretty healthy, yeah. It's a little bit more than three end of first round or start of second round selections. So you've got an extra one this year and two next year. Is that's, that, that's how yep. I understood it. Yep. And, and this no, is... You, you can keep them. You don't have to trade them. No, no. We, we can do whatever we want with them, which... Makes a little bit more sense. And here are these picks, but you have to trade them. Like, give us the like, just stay out of it. Um, so firstly, for the record, for the record, teams should not get these handouts. It is so silly to go and do this. And then we're going to see another case of uh, where, where Hawthorne managed to top up and bring all those mature ages in because the draft was so compromised. The other teams at the bottom couldn't shoot up. They took advantage of it. It was clear as day they they did it. Whether they knew what they were doing at the time or not, no one knows. But the same thing is going to happen now with Tassie coming in, right? The draft's going to be compromised. We're going to hopefully have all our drafting out of the way. But you get yourself into the mess, you get yourself out. You know what the compensation for being terrible is? Having picked two to get a kid. Because Ben McKay's leaving, we also get pick three, most likely. That's yet to be officially announced, but it sounds like that's the way it's going. So because we're terrible and one of our players leaves, we get access to be able to pick two of the best three kids in this year's draft according to our scouts. That's That surely should be a pretty good, not not prize, but but that's got to be one of the best ways to, to shoot up the ladder. Now, well, you, yeah, you need to add talent to your list and you need to build talent. I, I should just add, like, with, with the Mackay thing, I think that's also added a little bit to this because that's a completely separate process. You didn't ask for that pick. I mean, I think it's a bit of a disaster he's going, but that is a, that's a separate process that we have. But It is. I mean, it's it's, a, just it's a separate like, conversation because um, Melbourne got first-round compo for James Frawley, which was after their first pick, which was pick one or two or whatever it was. Hawthorne got the same compensation for Lance Franklin, which was pick 18, 19. And that's how the AFL have done their free agency stuff. Separate conversation to the assistance package. But they just it shouldn't be on the table because there's no equalization. you got equalization, but then when a team gets really bad, well, we've got to give them something to get them back up. No, you don't. Just let them work it out. Like, we've 
we've had more success than other clubs in the last 15 years, and we haven't had that much success. But we've played in... Well, if you go fifth, well, if you if you, if you go 07, sixteen years, I'll get you the 07 one. Yeah, 16. if you add 07, there's three prelims in there. With well, we played finals in 08, finals in uh, 15 as or well, 2012, yeah, I think you're in there. Yeah, 15, yeah. 16. A few other finals campaigns where we didn't win a final too. So 14, 15, 16, actually. Yeah. So we, we, we with no ultimate success, we've done enough to sort of get close and do this and do that. And then we identified that, hey, we're probably not going to be able to do it. Some of these guys are getting older. Let's move them on. Let's do this. Let's do that. And that's that's just the cycle. Like the fact the club's gone and got the handouts, I really like obviously I hope we win a premiership soon. It'll be interesting to hear what the outrage is um, at the, if, if we do that, is it because of these picks? They're going to help. They're absolutely going to help. Do we deserve them? Not really. I don't think any club deserves the handouts. But they're there now. Um, you watch. We'll trade them this year because the AFL have said it's reviewable next year. So just trade the picks now. What are they going to do? We trade them to Collingwood and they review them and take them off Collingwood. But we've already got the players for them. That's not going to happen. We're going to use those picks to move up in the draft to get Riley Sanders but then the AFL didn't have to go around the Riley Sanders thing and and put him in our um, NGA outside of the rules as well. Um, that's effectively what's happened if you read between the lines. Yeah, they're sort of smart that way because they, there was a bit of an uproar. He, he's a real good quality kid from what I'm hearing, Seb. So he, he'd be a good get. But yeah, I, I think the fact you get these picks and him as compo, I, I did see, you know, the AFL. No, no, we're, we're not. We're not getting him as compo. We're going to have to use these picks. No, no, that's what I mean though. Like to... I think the optics of it mean you have to sort of you know work your way around and get what you need to get to get him. And it looks oh they haven't given they haven't given him this kid just straight up. But you they kind of have without sort of just writing that out. So I mean yeah you'll get that done. Um, yeah, I mean I, I, I take your point on. I, I feel like. <laughs> In terms of an equal comp, I mean, you can never get an equal comp. I think it's interesting we're talking prelims. I think, is it fair to say every team should make a prelim in a 15-year span? I mean, that's what, four each year, 15 years, 60 slots, 18 teams. You should at least make a couple. That, that to me, is equalization. But, but what is equalization? Is that... Is that the way society is and you'll get a participation medal? So you've been in this comp for 15 years, but you haven't done well enough. We're going to make sure you can do it because you deserve that just for being here. I Some teams so. are run I don't better. think this is like Some... parallel to society in that way. Like, you know, it is a, it's a sport that they're getting paid gazillions for, you know, because we like watching it on TV. I think it is different. Some teams are run better. Some teams are run worse. So why are the better teams punished because the worst teams need assistance to make it fair and equal for everyone? Yeah, but we're not talking like they've given you a boost so you're good next year. Like this might take five years. It's not like an instant. It's just like a kick up when you're at a lower level. Yeah, uh, that's that's the argument for, I guess, but I'm, yeah, I'm arguing maybe, sorry, heavily against flipped, it. But flipped halfway. I... Um, I don't see a valid reason to ever do it, like, at all. 
I, I, I don't see it. If West Coast keep tracking the way they're tracking, we're going to see it again in two years. And they are the richest club in the AFL getting a handout because they're so terrible on field. And everyone's going to lose their mind again. I just, I can tell you categorically, I've seen Hawthorne supporters losing their mind. And that is a bit rich given they've got four flags out of all their compos. We're yet to get the compo pick. So maybe just wait and see what happens. Because if you believe most people, we don't know how to draft and develop talent. So we're going to waste them anyway. And that's a possibility based on our history. So it just, it shouldn't be a talking point. There's 18 picks in the draft. We're going to get an extra one based on another rule. Like, just let us work through that and develop that talent. Like, it just, yeah. I don't well, I don't I mean, know why we have to help the teams that are going terribly when that's, that is what it is. In saying that, if you look at the last 20 years, we absolutely deserve it. We're, we're awful. We're unwatchable. We are, I won't say the word, but, you know. <laughs> well, look, I think just just to like round it up, I think there there is an argument. I mean, they could have they could make this black and white. I mean, five years less than four wins, you get this pick. Like they they could articulate it nice and clean. I mean that that's uh, you know you're getting compo because I guess how long can the team stay down? I mean, if you do leave clubs to their devices, do we want to see a team win six spoons in eight years? Probably not. So. But if a I'm club gets them to that, that point, just let them go. As a club. Yep. If that's what the club seems to think is good and that's what they end up doing, off you go. Yeah, well, I mean, I did see last night uh, Andrew Dillon getting a bit of airtime as a new CEO. I think there's some quality on this show. I don't mind that, Seb. You've got a harder edge than me. So, I mean, yeah, there's probably claims for that. Um, but I think the AFL's turned a corner now. They, I mean... Fitzroy weren't that bad for that long compared to sort of what we've seen. But, you know, at that time it was, we want to expand. We, we're not the suburban league anymore and they, they were the victims, but I can't see a team being thrown out in this era anymore. No. So not... they got to help them. Mm, yeah. They can't have a TV product that has a team that's going to get belted by a hundred points every week. I, I yeah, it, it probably just comes back to the dollar. I don't like saying that because it's pretty pessimistic, but it's just, uh, yeah, that's just the way the AFL thinks. So that's just what, uh, yeah, they're putting out there. You, you're probably right. It does come back to that TV product and dollar, and and they don't want these terrible performances. But it's uh, in a utopia, there are none of these compo picks. I don't even think the free agency pick should exist. I think you, the fact that Ben Mackay's six hundred, seven hundred thousands off our books, we should be able to use that to then go and get someone or pay our other players like. You shouldn't get a pick just because some like, just because he leaves. Use the cap space to get someone else. That will become more prevalent if they allow, enable more player movement and, and make it easier for players to leave and pick clubs. Like, you know, six years to be a restricted free agent. Just if you're not in a contract, you're a free agent. Like, you know, make that a bit more fluid. Yep. Um, and then all the money they divvy up off field, like, Utopia would be, and and we may never get here because of the way the competition is. But the TV rights deals worth a billion. That gets divvied up eighteen ways, and each club gets their equal share. The rest is up to them. We're in a unique situation because we got ten clubs in Victoria, and how like there's only five million people in Melbourne. Like how do you 
how do you slice that pie up? It's it's tricky. There's some clubs have got a monopoly, other clubs are battling, and and they probably will never be able to fully stand on their own without the handout. So that's tricky for the fabric of the game. But in a utopia that's just divvied up evenly, and the clubs that spend more can do more, get more out of it, and the clubs that don't, well, they've got to work their way through it. But um, it remains to be seen. This compo picks generated a lot of a lot of discussion, Tom. It's it's yeah. A lot of wins. Oh, ru- it, it, yeah, oh, it's ruffled. And I could sense your tone. I mean, no one no one likes the whinging and we're we're getting it everywhere. It's sort of a bit of a modern society thing, I think, at the moment. But look, we'll see what you do with it. It's over to you to make it make it rain, as they say, and, and turn those picks into some talent and get yourselves back. Uh yeah, hearing you say Ruse Premiership feels strange now, but I'd love to do this show, Seb, where the Ruse are pushing up there. Finals uh, by twenty twenty six. Well, I'll hold you for that. Well, geez, what will that be? That's it's not unreasonable, is it? That's two more years before we actually have to then, like 24, 25, and then 26. Yeah, and then you're there. Yeah, well, I mean, in we've, fact, we've seen, we've quickly, seen it happen but... quickly. I mean, yeah, I mean, the Crows, oh, I, mean, I know they didn't make it, but they, they've turned a corner, it seems. Anyway, we're getting off track, but yeah, it's, it's a huge week in footy. Cannot wait for the granny. I, I, we um we missed a shout out. I wanted to get this one in said from last week to uh, Ron Barassi. Uh, massive, massive uh, loss for the game. I know he he coached your club to some famous flags, and and I've got uh, experience through my fan with him coaching the Swans. And obviously, yeah, I mean, he, his stat lines are unbelievable. You're talking 17 grand finals as a player and coach. That is unbelievable. Uh, yeah, so. Huge career and and yeah, we'll be sadly missed the footy community because uh, he was a massive presence. So got to go with that one there. Yeah, no, it was. There aren't many bigger names in football than than Ron Barassi, and um, yeah, it was it was just time. But it's it's a good chance to reflect and and look back on on what a great career it was. Absolutely. And to finish on a positive note, uh, we've got a fun weekend. Shout out to Em and Will uh, getting married. They did meet on a grand final night, uh, what, nine, eight, nine years ago, uh, getting married over the weekend. So a shout out to them and looking forward to some of your work up on the mic, Seb, as best man. Uh, pumped for that one. Yep. The first person who comes up and mentions this podcast after the speeches, because it will get a reference, uh, there'll be some merch available. Is no we'll hold you to that. Looking forward to a big granny, and we'll be there to cover it next week. <laughs>